you for this opportunity you've given us just to bring us here to worship you, Lord, and just be with Pastor Jesse and give him the words to speak tonight, Lord, and uh, just help us all just to take something home with us for the, from the message, and uh, yeah, Jim, amen. Amen. All right. You guys have a seat. Remember, if you don't have a Bible, need a Bible, Mr. Corey's got a stack of them in the back there. Um, hi, Brock. You did a fantastic job. Didn't they do a good job tonight? All right. So I have a question. Um, you don't have to yell out the answer, but show of hands. Have you ever found yourself stuck in a situation with no idea of how you were going to get out of it? Anybody ever been in that situation or been in a situation like that before? Okay. I think I think that's something. Yes, go get one from the classroom. Did we run out? Grab a stack of them, Brantley. Go fast, man. Go fast. Should we wait on Brantley to get back? Let's wait on Brantley to get back. Please, everybody, as soon as he walks in, I want y'all to go crazy and make it like he's a rock star, okay? Especially, where's Rye? Does he have his wheelies on tonight? Does he really? Oh, man, if we could get him to come in on his wheelies, that would be awesome. I, I think so. Have y'all watched him skating around church? I can't ever get him to do it on the sidewalk because he'll probably face plant, and I don't want him to do that. But... He does wheel through these hallways. Let us know where he's coming, Max, okay? Because I'm just going to keep talking pointless things right now until he shows up because I don't know what to say at the moment because we're waiting. It's awkward, so we're just going to keep talking. And Miss Kathleen will tell you, I'm not one to just keep talking. You talk for no reason all the time, so we're not going to go there. No. Sorry. Love you, but no. All right. How are we coming, Max? Is he coming? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. He's coming. Wait for it. Wait. Ready? You lied. <laughs> Watch, he's going to come in the back door. I don't think he's coming. <laughs> he said, I hear his wheels. <laughs> Jews going down the hallway with those things. <laughs> Great, now we've lost Max too. Man, you, y'all's parents aren't going to ever trust me again because we keep losing you guys. Alright, this is dragging on too long. No, Eli, stay here. We can't lose another one, man. Don't do it. It's not worth it. but I'm starting to think Max is a dirty little liar. You know what happened? What happened is Mr. Corey went to help him. That's the problem. (laughs) We lost Eli too? Let's go see. No, stay there. Go, go. Is he coming? Even if he doesn't come, we're going to stop in just a second. This, this is like the most suspenseful thing I've had in a while. I have a very boring life. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hey! It's Bailey! 
Thank you, Bradley, for going and getting Bibles. And who needs a Bible? Bradley's got a stack of them. Who needs one? Royce needs one. Katie needs one. Right here. That's hot? No, 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 no. No. Okay. We're not losing anybody else tonight. All right, y'all have a seat. Thank you, Bradley. Thank you for helping us out. Where are you going? No, where are you going? Don't disappear again. Don't di Oh, man. Okay, go. Um, hey. Hey, guys. We're not going to wait on him this time, okay? So, I asked the question, show of hands, ever found yourself in a situation you were helpless to get yourself out of? Okay. I know. They're excited tonight, aren't they? Here's the reason I asked that. I was, I was thinking through what the passage we're going to read tonight, and one of the people that's in this passage, they find themselves in one of those situations where they've created a situation they can't get out of, and a memory came to mind. When Miss Kathleen and I lived in Sarasota, um, we were at home one day, and Miss Kathleen got a call from one of the wives of one of the other pastors on staff, and correct me if, I, if I'm wrong in the way she phrased it, but when Miss Kathleen answered the phone, if I remember this correctly, all she said was, I need your husband. Was that, is that what she said? Yeah. So obviously, Miss Kathleen needed a little more information in a situation like that, because that's a really weird way to start a conversation. What had happened, what had happened was, is that her husband had gone out of town. She had decided that her kids, they had bunk beds in their room, and she decided that she was going to take those bunk beds apart. And in that process, if you've never tried to take bunk beds apart by yourself, it's hard. She got stuck. She got one end of the bed like off and the other end of the, end of the bed was still stuck on top of the bottom bunk bed and she was stuck in the middle of the room holding up the bunk bed. And she couldn't put it back and she couldn't get it down. So somehow, and maybe she sent her kids to get the phone, I don't know, somehow she got the phone, she was able to call Miss Kathleen while holding this bed and she needed help. So we were able to go over there and move the bed and help her out, but yeah, we definitely took a picture before we helped her out because we had to document that. But she had gotten herself in this situation of her own making that she had no way to get out of. She was absolutely 100% helpless, and she had to wait for somebody else to come and save her from the situation that she had created. And if you remember last week in Daniel chapter 6, as we were walking through that chapter, you've got these guys that came to Dan uh, Daniel's boss, the king, King Darius. Hey, welcome back, Mr. Corey. They, they came to King Darius because Daniel had been set along with two other people over all of these other kind of like governors, rulers in the kingdom. And then Daniel had done such a good job that he was going to be put in charge of everyone, only second to the king. So all of these other leaders were jealous. They didn't want Daniel to succeed. So they came to King Darius and they said, King Darius, we need you to make a law because you're amazing. Everybody loves you. For the next 30 days, nobody can worship any man or any god except for you. And if you do this, you need to make it a law that if somebody disobeys you, they get thrown in a pit of lions. They lose their life. They die. And the king, of course, takes the bait. He lets his ego be built up, and he thinks, this is a great idea. Of course everybody should worship me for 30 days. So he makes this law, but the problem is, the way their system worked, once he made the law, he couldn't even change the law. And that's exactly the problem that we face here. 
what happened is King Darius created a situation and now he's trapped by his own creation. He's gotten himself into a situation that he's hopeless to change. And as we jump into the second half of Daniel chapter 6 tonight, that's what we're going to see because Daniel, Daniel was faithful to God. We talked about this last week, how God is always faithful and we, call, we are called to be faithful to God when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Daniel was faithful, and when this law was put into place, those guys who convinced the king to do this, they knew that that was the only way they were going to trap Daniel. Because they knew that if the king made this law, Daniel was not going to do what the law said. Daniel was going to remain faithful to God. And that's exactly what Daniel did, Scripture tells us. He went, he still prayed to God three times a day. He was not going to veer off the course that he had been on his entire life, all the way back from Daniel chapter 1, that we saw him honoring God in every single decision that he could honor God in. So they knew when they set this in motion that they were going to trap him. And that's how they were going to get him in trouble. Not just get him in trouble, they're trying to actually get him killed. And it's not really the first time this has happened to Daniel and his other three friends that we talked about before. But the problem is, God is still faithful. And God is still, what's that S word we've talked about? Sovereign. Sovereign. God is still in control. And what we're going to see tonight is that that still holds true even through the second half of this chapter. So real quick, before we get up and read it, who wrote the book of Daniel? Daniel. When do we believe it was written? Around the 6th century, yeah, a long time ago. How old do we think Daniel was when he was taken into captivity? 15, 16 years old. What's the people group, the kingdom that came in and conquered them? What was their king's name? Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, and we talked about it already. What's the main theme of this book? God's sovereignty. That God is in control no matter what is happening around us, no matter if it's good things, no matter if it's bad things, God is the one who is in control at all times over history and over humanity. So tonight... We're going to read verses 14 through 28 of chapter 6, and we've got Mr. Tucker Wildman that's going to come up and read for us tonight. Come on up here, Tucker. Let's get you a microphone. Is this one on, Mr. Paul? Nope, mine's on. This one right here, the wired one. It's on. There we go. What? All right, you ready? Y'all stand with us and follow along as Tucker reads verses 14 through 28. You got this, man. Then the king, when he heard these words, as much as distressed, and set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down. Okay. To rescue him, then these men came came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that this is the law of Medes and Persians, that no injunction or ordinance that the king established can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, who you serve continually, deliver you. And the stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and, king seal- and the king sealed it with his own signet. And with the signet of his the Lord of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel, that the king, the king went into his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought brought to him, and sleep fed from him. Then at break of day, the king arose and went went in haste to the den of lions. And he came near the den where Daniel was. He cried out in the tone of anguish. 
The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, my servant of the living God, and your God, who you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions. Then Daniel said, O king, said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me because I have found blameless before him and also before you. O God, I have done no harm. Then the king has exceedingly glad oh, and commanded the, to Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he was trusted in his God. And the king king commanded and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. They, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions empowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples and nations, the languages that dwell in all the earth, peace by multiplied to you. I make a decree I make a decree that all royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever, his kingdom shall never be destroyed, and the dominion shall be the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders. In heaven and on earth, he who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions, so that Daniel prosecuted during the, re the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus and Persian. Awesome. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for uh, the opportunity to be here tonight. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that we can sing to you, sing about you, and understand who you are and who you've called us to be. And God, I pray that we will be different because we've been in your presence tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I'll give it up for Mr. Tucker. That's awesome. And, and, and what y'all couldn't see up here is in his Bible, he's got a really cool picture of lions coming out of that den too. So that was kind of awesome to look at while that was going on. So let's look at what's going on here and let's see what the king has done and why this matters for us. So verse 14 again, the king, then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. So remember back in verse 13, you got these leaders, they brought the news to King Darius that Daniel had disobeyed the law, and they're excited. They're glad. Remember, they didn't go out and watch and make sure that everybody in the kingdom obeyed the law. They specifically went after Daniel. The problem is, Darius isn't mad with Daniel. It says when he hears this right here, it says he was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. Which is, is strange to me because you would think, it, it looks like it never crossed his mind that Daniel would be the guy that would defy the law because Daniel was known for his integrity. Daniel was, in, was known for being someone who, who honored God and did the right thing. But that exactly should be the reason that Darius would have known that Daniel wasn't going to obey that law. Daniel was going to be obedient to God. He was going to be faithful to God. His, his reputation should have told King Darius that Daniel was going to be a problem there because his reputation is what got him in that high position in the first place. Remember, he did such a good job in the role that King Darius gave him that King Darius was elevating him. And King Darius is so upset, it says right there, he tries all day long to find a way to undo what he has done. But the problem is, it's too late. 
He has already made his choice. He's already taken action and set things in motion. And now there's nothing he can do to undo it. You and I do the same thing sometimes. Sometimes when we're faced with a choice or a situation and it looks like something that's a great idea at the time and we say, you know what, I'm going to pursue this knowing that it's something that doesn't honor God. And we step into it and before we know it, we're caught up in our circumstances and we find ourselves trapped by our very own choices and we recognize the situation for what it is a little bit too late. It's a choice we've made to honor ourselves and glorify ourselves and to pursue sin in our lives instead of pursuing God. We choose to live in the moment and think about what sounds good and what feels good. Right then, right there is the only thing we're focused on and we forget about living a life that honors God. And then before we know it, we're stuck. We're stuck in the consequences. And no matter what we do, no matter how hard we try, we can't do anything about it on our own. That's where King Darius is. And just like King Darius, we just have to watch it play out and see what happens. Look at what happens here in verse 15. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. These men know that they have Daniel trapped, and they make sure that the king follows through. That, hey, king, you made this law, and you need to remember, you can't change the law that you made, which I've never understood. He's the king. He made the law. Why can't he change the law? But for whatever reason, that's the way their society was set up. But notice what we see here in that last verse. We see that Darius has hope. He's got hope that Daniel's God can do something. He's got hope that Daniel's God may be able to actually deliver him. Now, Scripture doesn't tell us here that he has faith in Daniel's God, but he does have hope that Daniel's God is real and that Daniel's God can actually do something about what's going on here. And there's something else. If you stop for a second and ponder this, you'll notice something else that we can learn from this, and it's this fact. It's the fact that your choices always affect the people around you. Remember, King Darius, he was concerned with everybody worshiping him. That's where his focus was, his ego. Everybody focused on him, everybody worshiping him, making him the most important person he kind of was already, but really making him the most important person in the kingdom. He made a choice thinking about himself. The problem is his choice affected the people around him. And he never stopped to think about the effect that it could have on the people around him. And the same thing is true for us. When you choose to honor yourself, when you choose to glorify yourself over God, when you choose to pursue sin in your life, you are never the only person that is affected by it. It always ekes out onto other people. It always affects the other people in your life. Your choice to pursue sin in your life always spills out onto others, whether we mean for it to or not. 
And that's why it matters, the choices that we make. That's why it matters when we talk about living a life that honors God, making choices to be obedient to his word. Don't ever believe the lie that you can choose to sin and pursue things that glorify yourself and it won't affect anybody else in your life. Because it does every single time. Darius made his choice to honor himself and Daniel is the one suffering the consequences for it. Look at what happens in verse 17. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. So Darius makes sure that according to the law, nobody can help Daniel. They put him in this lion's den. They cover up the opening so he can't get out. And then he takes his seal and the other seals of the leaders and they put it on this this stone, this rock, so that if that seal is broken, anybody that breaks that seal, the punishment is death. So he's guaranteeing that no one is going to come help Daniel. No person is going to walk up and try to get him out of there. He's making sure that everyone knows, hey, you die if you don't worship me, you die if you help Daniel because he didn't worship me. But we still see the distress that he has here. It says he goes home and he stays up all night. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't eat. He may have been pacing the floor. We don't know that. Have you, have you guys ever been worried about something so much that you couldn't sleep? Yeah. I've not experienced that very many times in my life. Miss Kathleen will tell you, God wired me so that I can sleep just about anywhere, just about any time. It doesn't matter what's going on. But there have been a few occasions where sleep escaped me. And I remember being miserable in those occasions because all you want to do is just close your eyes and shut off your brain and just be done with the world. But you see, Darius couldn't do that. It says that he, he was up all night. He's in this state over what is happening. He's stressed. And it says he can't focus on anything else. Everything in him wants Daniel to be okay. That he even says, Daniel, a God that I don't believe in, a God that you faithfully worship, I hope he can save you. That's how desperate he is. He's putting his hopes in a God that he's never even proclaimed belief for because he cares that much about what's happening to Daniel. And we see that concern in verse 19. Look at what it says. Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? This is how desperate Darius is. He's a king. Darius doesn't have to do anything for himself. He doesn't have to go get food. He doesn't have to go get entertainment. He doesn't have to make his own bed. He does nothing for himself. And yet, when the sun comes up, he is physically running himself to the lion's den to see if Daniel is okay. That's not what a king should have done. King should have sent his servant and said, hey, go tell me if he's still alive or tell me if he's gone and come back and let me know what happened. Darius doesn't do that. He's that concerned about Daniel that he goes. We see the desperation there and we see the hope that he has that Daniel's God is real. That God can actually do something about this mess that he has created that he can't fix. At this point, Darius doesn't know if he can trust God yet. 
He has a hope. Now we know that we can trust God because we know what happens here and we've seen what God has done in Scripture over and over again that God is faithful and that God is sovereign and that God takes care of His people not always in the way that we think He should take care of His people but God always has a plan and God always takes care of His people. In this specific situation, God reminds us that he can rescue other people from the effects of our own sinful choices. In fact, he can rescue us from our own sinful choices. Look at what it says in verse 21. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. Stop there. He's talking to the guy that put him in a lion's den, that tried to kill him. And he says, O king, live forever. (laughs) Try to have that attitude about your enemy sometime. Verse 22, my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Daniel is alive when there is no earthly reason that he should be alive. It is only because God acted on his behalf and spared him from certain death. Historians would tell us that in a situation like this, when there was like a lion's den, that those animals, those aren't like the cats that some of you have in your house, where they get to eat all the time, anything that they want, all hours of the day, and then they just lay around in the sun, or on your bed, or on your couch, or on your chest, or your forehead, depending on how comfortable you are with your cat. These lions were fed just enough to keep them alive, but to make sure they were always hungry. So when Daniel went into that lion's den, there's absolutely no earthly physical reason those lions shouldn't have ripped him apart. And yet he was unharmed. Kind of like his friends were unharmed when they were put in that furnace back in Daniel chapter 3. God is the only one that can do that because God is sovereign. God is in control of all of his creation. God can step in and do the supernatural and intercede at his will when he chooses and does things that no one else can do. And it's the same God that acted then that can act right now in your life and in my life when you find yourself stuck in a situation of your own making that you can't do anything about. Because let's be honest, we're all in that situation. Maybe things are going great in your life right now, but you are born a sinner, I'm born a sinner, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Nothing. You've probably all had a day in here, at least when you were a little kid, I don't know about now, where you thought, you know what, I'm not going to get in trouble today. I'm not going to talk back to my parents. Put your hand down. I know that's you right now. I'm not going to talk back to my parents. I'm not going to make the wrong choices. I'm not going to pick on or hit my brother and sister. I'm not going to do all of these things. I'm going to do the right things today. And at the end of the day, you failed miserably. Miserably. Why? Because we're sinners. 
Because we are all in a hopeless situation and we all pursue our own selfish desires and it's a situation that we get ourselves into over and over and over and we can't get ourselves out. No matter how good you try to be, no matter how much you try to please God, no matter all the things that you do to deserve God's love and deserve God's forgiveness and God's grace and God's mercy, you can't get there. It takes God. It takes God, much like in this situation, to step into your life and to do something because the consequence for that sin is a break in the relationship that you have with God, the relationship that you're intended to have. And there's nothing you can do to reconcile that relationship. God has to act on your behalf. And that is exactly what he did when he sent Jesus Christ. He sent Jesus to pay the debt that is owed by sin that none of us can pay because we can never live up to God's standards. We can't be good enough. We can't do enough good things. We will fail every single time. That is why God had to act for us and the sovereignty of God is on full display in Jesus Christ hanging on the cross. It's God stepping into humanity and paying the debt that we could not pay when Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross. And God's sovereignty shown when Jesus three days later rose and walked out of that tomb and he conquered death and he conquered sin because God is in control of all of his creation and he offers every single one of us forgiveness right here, right now. You simply have to ask him for it. You have to cry out to him to rescue you from your situation. The same way Darius said, Daniel, I hope your God can take care of you. God is saying, you need to look at him and say, God, can you please save me? Because he already sent Jesus to do that. Look at what happens here at the end of the chapter. Verse 24. And the king commanded... And those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. They, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Now let's stop there for a second because that seems a little harsh, doesn't it? These men that had the plan for Daniel, hey, we're going to get him caught. We're going to get him thrown into the den of lions. He's going to die. That was their plan for him, and yet what they planned for him ends up being their own fate. But it's not just their fate, it's the fate of their wives and their children. Now we look at that and think, well, that's not really fair. Their wives and their kids didn't do anything wrong. But again, if you go back and you look at historical records, this was the, the mindset that was carried out through the Medes and the Persians. And it was this, if you had an enemy who came after you and you defeated that enemy, you didn't just wipe out that individual enemy, you wiped out their family. Because if you don't, one day that wife or one of those kids could come back to get revenge. So let's just go ahead and wipe them all out at one time and be done with it. That's what's going on here. So even though those individuals didn't do anything wrong, they still got the same consequences. Remember, goes back to what we talked about before. The choices you make to honor yourself and pursue sin in your own life always affects the people around you. Those men 
they were thinking about their power and their position and they made a plan and they acted on it thinking that everything was going to be okay and yet it backfired on them and it spilled out and it took the lives of their kids and it took the lives of their wives. Your choice to pursue sin and honoring yourself in your own life will always affect the other people around you. And the cool thing is in this last part of this chapter is that we see that King Darius actually understands who God is. We can't say for sure because scripture doesn't tell us for sure that Darius placed his faith and trust in God. I would like to think he did based on his words here. Look at what he says in verse 25. Then King Darius wrote to all the people's nations and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel for he is the living God enduring forever his kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end he delivers and rescues he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth he who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions so this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian so you see right here that (laughs) that he recognizes who God is He recognizes that God is the one who came. God is the one who acted. Did he put his faith and trust in God? I don't know. I hope he did. We can't know that for sure. But what you can know for sure tonight is whether or not you put your faith and trust in God. You can know if you've asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin. You can know once and for all that he is taken you out of your hopeless situation that you can do absolutely nothing about to save yourself from and he has made you a child of God he's already made a way for it when he sent his son Jesus Christ who died on a cross and he simply says you have to believe in your heart that Jesus died on a cross from you confess with your mouth that he is Lord of your life and you will be saved from your sin that's what scripture tells us If you're here tonight and you've never done that and you're tired of being in that hopeless situation, you're tired of pursuing sin in your life, you're tired of honoring yourself only to feel trapped and disappointed every single time, you can change that tonight. You can put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and know that you belong to him and know that you're forgiven and that he has rescued out of your hopeless situation. He has rescued you. And if you've done that already tonight, I want to encourage you. Praise God for what he's done in your life. Worship him for the fact that he has saved you. Worship him for the fact that he has brought you out of something that you could never get out of on your own. Worship him because he is sovereign and because he loves you and because you've experienced his mercy and his grace because that's who God is. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you that we can spend time with you. And God, I pray for every single one of us in this room tonight. God, help us to know the forgiveness that you offer through your son, Jesus Christ. Help us to know that when we find ourselves in that hopeless situation, trapped by our sin, God, you've already made a way out. We simply have to cry out to you, to hope in you, to trust in you. God, we thank you for Jesus. God, I pray if there's anybody in here tonight that has not put their faith and trust in you, God, they'll do it right now. 
And God, they'll come tell one of the adults in this room and, and let us celebrate, let us pray with them, God. God, for everyone in this room who has already done that, who already knows you as Savior, God, I pray, God, just well up that gratitude in all of our hearts to worship you for who you are and what you've done in our lives. To know that you are sovereign and that in your sovereignty, God, you made a way for us to be saved by you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.